0: When you're on the summit of Everest, it's different for everyone. But for me, I was really fatigued. I was, I was very tired. You know that you're in a very dangerous place, right? If something goes wrong on the summit of Everest, no one's coming to get you. And as I'm coming back down, all of a sudden, like that feeling of excitement and adrenaline just disappears because it's like you've, you've achieved your goal of getting to the top. But what people don't realise is you're by no means finished, no means And on the way back down, I started to really struggle with my breathing. And like, really, I could only take one or two steps and and then I had to stop. You have to try not to panic because I thought, it feels like you're suffocating, basically. Now, Dorji, my Sherpa, was screaming at me saying, you can't go this slow. If you keep moving this slowly, you're going to run out of oxygen. You're going to get tired. You're not going to get down. And I'm not going to have the strength to get you down. You're going to die. And it's amazing when you have no choice but to keep going or you die you will find this inner strength this ability to to push beyond anything that you thought was humanly possible
1: from adversity to success you have control i'm harriet pound and this is the inspirability podcast So then after this sort of fork in the road and you continued up to (laughs) the top, you're standing on Mount Everest, then coming down, tell me about the challenges and the adversity you faced coming down.
0: Yeah, it was quite tough. Um, When you're on the summit of Everest, it's different for everyone. But for me, I was really fatigued. I was was very tired. Um, I was very lucky to be able to stand on top. I wasn't standing on top because I'm some tough guy. I got lucky, I think. And... You kind of know where you are. So I've got some pictures and video footage. Then after that, you know that you're in a very dangerous place, right? If something goes wrong on the summit of Everest, no one's coming to get you. you, 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 you the helicopters can't fly that high and actually recover someone. So you, have got to get down onto your, your, own two feet. So typically when people are stood on top of Everest, they don't stay there long. They want to get back down. And, and you have most accidents happen on the way back down, right? Gravity has a terrible habit of pulling at you. And so you have to fight that urge to, 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 to move down the hill. Your legs are aching. And as I'm coming back down, all of a sudden, like that feeling of excitement and adrenaline just disappears because it's like you've, you've achieved your goal of getting to the top. But what people don't realize is you're by no means finished. No means. I would say you're halfway, not even really at halfway point, actually. coming down is a lot harder than going up. And on the way back down, I started to really struggle with my breathing. And like, really, I could only take one or two steps and then I had to stop. And I didn't really know what was happening because I felt quite good going up. And you have to try not to panic because I thought, it feels like you're suffocating, basically. And so I had to keep slowing down. Now, Dorji, my Sherpa, was screaming at me saying, you can't go this slow. You have to keep going. Otherwise, if you keep, you basically, if you keep moving this slowly, you're going to run out of oxygen. You're going to get tired. You're not going to get down. And I'm not going to have the strength to get you down. You're going to die. And it, it's amazing when you have no choice, but to keep going or you die you will find this inner strength, this ability to, to push beyond anything that you thought was humanly possible. And I remember he kept shouting at me saying, do you want to be like that Japanese guy? And I'm thinking in my kind of delirious oxygen starved mind, well, what the hell are you talking about? And as we got back down towards camp four, I saw what I thought were some empty oxygen cylinders. Because every now and then you do see a few of them. Not many. Everest has been cleaned up quite a lot, but it was this poor Japanese chap that Dorji was referring to. He was lying flat with his arms outstretched like this, almost as if he was reaching for help. Now, it turns out he had a heart attack uh, a few days before and, and temporarily his team had to leave him there. Now, they did go back up and bring him back down. It's a myth that Everest is littered with dead bodies. That's not really true. If someone does pass away, the team will always try and bring them back down so they can be repatriated with family. And this guy was eventually. But, I mean, you don't really see dead bodies in your everyday life, I suppose, depending on what line of work you're in, perhaps. And I remember seeing him. His arms were stretched, and he had long hair, and his hair was frozen in position. And when I passed him at the closest point, I didn't see him on the way up because it was dark. But now it was all light. And I I never forget looking at him thinking, my goodness, it was really sad because I thought you're never going to see your family again and they'll never see you again. That's it. You're dead. There's no reset. But actually, for me, it was the biggest kick up the backside you can ever get. Where I was so tired, where I was so fatigued, I, I literally was falling asleep standing up. And the next thing I know, I had this whack around the face from Dorji saying, come on, come on. And Usually it takes about two days to get back down off the summit of Everest, but it took me four days. It took a lot longer. And I'll never forget, I managed to get back down, but it was that concept of keep moving, keep moving. And we sort of touched on this a little bit earlier. And I realized If you're going through some kind of problem, some kind of challenge, you don't actually have to be descending Mount Everest, which with what turned out to be pneumonia, the worst thing you can ever do in life is stop. And I always found and I always say, look, if something is difficult, just keep moving, keep trying. You'll find a workaround. Something will happen. You'll get a lucky break. Just don't stop. And it was coming down Everest with a lung infection uh, that, that, that I suppose I learned that. It was that ability to keep moving that saved my life. Without that, I probably wouldn't be here now. So whenever I'm in a situation like that, you know, you've always got more to give. always, 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 you can give more and you can can keep going. You probably don't want to deliberately find out what your limits are. It's not that pleasant. But yeah, I'll never forget (laughs) coming back down. That's physically the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And I don't think there'll ever be a situation where I'm probably never gonna be in a situation like that again. I don't don't think or envisage. But um, yeah, that was that was quite tough.
1: So if any of our listeners or viewers who were climbing or descending from a Mount Everest Or just or struggling, struggling with anything or just struggling with yeah. anything and overcoming yeah. you know, a major life change or a very difficult challenge, what advice would you give?
0: uh, certainly don't stop. Just keep trying to find a way around the problem or the challenge that you have. Again, it goes back to having good people around you that can uh, support you. It goes back to believing in yourself and just, just have that belief that you can do it and have that patience and have that relentless drive and pursuit for whatever it is you're trying to overcome. Because it will happen. It will happen. It just takes time and you have to be patient. So those are things that I would say uh, you know, to be mindful of. I'd also think, well, okay, has anyone else done this before? I have other people overcome what I'm going through. If they have, then it's absolutely possible to do that. And then I'd go and find those people. Those people that have been through what you're going through, go and find them. They'll help you. They definitely will. I'd be surprised if they didn't. Um, so those are things that I would be thinking about. If I was in that, yeah, if I had to give any advice on that.
1: So after discerning from Mount Everest with pneumonia.
0: I found that out in hospital, actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know it. So I didn't know what was wrong with me. It wasn't until they x rayed my chest when they said, you, you've got pneumonia. You, you, you're in, in trouble. And I, I didn't really think it was a problem. I said, great, give me some antibiotics. I'll go home. And they're like, no, no, no. We have to monitor you. And so, yeah, I, I was in that hospital for a little while.
1: But it didn't put you off your adventures because no, then the next you. adventure. Yeah,
0: I'll tell you what happened. Something interesting happened. Believe it or not, Everest didn't, like, it didn't sink in that I'd even climbed Everest until I was lying in a hospital bed. And a doctor who had nothing to do with me was wor- came up to my bed and said, I just want to shake your hand. And I kind of looked at him and said, sure, uh, just out of interest, why do you want to shake my hand? It's like, you're the guy who's climbed Everest, haven't you? And I'm like, oh, yeah, that is me. And it was really at that point that i thought my goodness i've just climbed the world's highest mountain it, uh, at the time it, it didn't really sink in it sank in afterwards um and then do you know when i got back things started to change i had found something that made me happy i'd found something that made me content i'd found something that gave me a purpose and I knew that I wanted to do more of this. I was asked I, that's when I started speaking in schools and doing stuff with kids. Yeah, people started asking me, "Would I go and speak in a school, to, to share my stories and photos of everything that's happened?" And I said, "Yeah, of course." Then I started to do that, and that was really fulfilling. I really enjoyed it, and I thought, "I, I, I thought to myself. I might have accidentally stumbled across my purpose, something that I should do more of, something that I appear to be fairly good at. I've got this knack for surviving and I just, I enjoy it. And I enjoy sharing the things I've learned and I enjoy storytelling with with people. And so I was at a crossroads in my life. I was offered a really good job, but I turned it down and I decided I was going to cycle around the world. Yeah. And then, you know, I'll tell you something, you know, a lot of people said to me, James, you've had your fun. What are you doing? Take this job. You can't play all your life. And sometimes when you know, people are telling you that, it's very difficult to not let those opinions influence you. But I just knew that I could take this job, but I probably wouldn't really be that fulfilled or happy. I just couldn't stop thinking about the next adventure, what I could plan and how I was going to do it, the people that I was going to meet, the experiences I was going to have. And so, yeah, I got back home and I decided I was going to cycle around the world. And so a lot of this is you know, probably sort of start to see a theme. I never really woke up one day and said, right, I'm going to do all these different things. It just one thing leads on to another. And as you know, there's that classic saying is one door shuts, another will always open. You, you, you may not feel like it, but it does. And that's, that's what happened.
1: How did so, you yeah. maintain your self-belief? in that time when you had people telling you, James, take a proper job. <laughs> you know, James, yeah. what are you doing? Did you ever doubt yourself? Mm. And if so, what advice would you give to someone who maybe is doubting themselves or struggling to find self-belief to do what they really want to do?
0: Uh, yeah, I did struggle a little bit at times. And again, it just goes back to... Like, having the right people around you is so important because if 10 people are telling you don't do that, I guarantee you, you probably won't. But if 10 people are saying, oh, you should do it, what can I do to help you? How can I help you? You'll you'll probably go off and do it. So, again, I'd probably be thinking about speaking to the right people. Like, if you want to do something right and you know that your friend or your mum and dad is a bit negative and you know they're going to say, I don't think you should do that, don't bother going to speak to them. Go and speak to someone who you know is going to encourage you and kind of give you the Advice, I suppose, that you perhaps want want to hear and want to know, right? And I found this out when I got into flying. Again, we can talk about it later. But human beings have this incredible habit of just giving giving advice to people. And so one thing I would say is take advice from someone who's qualified to give it, right? Um, everyone will tell you what they think they sh- you should or shouldn't be doing. But then when you drill into it and you think, well, OK, let's just ask, well, is this person qualified to tell me? And then you kind of think, well, actually, they're not really. And so I would, you know, think about who you're talking to. Think about who you're taking advice from.
1: So, Surrounding yourself with positive people have who to, lift you up and encourage yeah, you. Because
0: look, if you don't, you're only gonna, you're, you are not going to move forward if you're not surrounding yourself with the right people. And if you don't have those people, go and find them promise you you can and just bit by bit you'll you know you'll start to get good people around you who will support you Um, but ultimately you know you have to be the one that wants it yourself and you know sometimes pursuing new things you know you want to do it but you don't know where to start so it's overwhelming and then you start questioning yourself um you know just just do one thing to Move, move that forward and then that one thing will lead on to, to something else and there's always a stepping stone to make something happen always
1: so your next adventure then was cycling around the world yeah
0: that was relatively straightforward
1: so how did you find securing funding for that it easier Whoa. Well, was that because you'd had funding yeah, before it was because project? i think
0: i now had some credibility right yeah. and i didn't need to raise as much money it didn't cost that much money to cycle around the world i wasn't staying in the hilton hotel every night so it, it wasn't too bad so uh, with the cycle around the world i did one of two things i actually did some temporary work so i uh, i went out and i earned money to to go into the trip and i did get some funding from from various companies t- to do it so that came easier than getting the money uh to to climb everest and and rode the atlantic though they were they, they were quite hard uh, but this came a little bit easier and then yeah off i went and i
1: and how did you find, so there were days I think where say, so the weather was really bad and there's a really interesting quote from your dad that's in your book where he says something along the lines of, you know, anyone can cycle around the world with a good mindset, but it's keeping going when it's challenging, that that's yeah, when yeah. it's difficult. So how did you keep going? What did you draw on for that?
0: Um, so, yeah, you're, you're going to have a lot of days when it's pouring with rain. And you know, when I said rowing the Atlantic, a lot of it, will depend on your progress towards your goal which makes you feel happy it's very similar cycling around the world if you've got blue beautiful blue sunshine and a tailwind so you're effortlessly just gliding along it's like the best thing you could ever do you get to eat as much food as you want you're burning off so many calories you're meeting new people but yeah inevitably it's not always like that and so again i went back to the to to the mindset that i kind of developed from rowing the atlantic that you know just because you have to accept at some point you're going to get bad weather so i knew it was coming and for me every single day where it was a nice day i was grateful for it because i knew that and i do you know when i cycled around the world i never once looked at the weather because the weather didn't matter because i had to be out in it unless it was a hurricane or something really serious and so i just i constantly tried to remind myself doesn't matter if it's raining. doesn't matter. I'm so lucky to be here. And I'm always trying to remind myself, be grateful for the fact you're cycling around the world. You've chosen to be here. You've worked hard to get get into this position, but there are so many people sitting at a desk doing something they absolutely hate that would dream to be out getting wet in Thailand or Malaysia and cycling through, experiencing different things. So I had to keep reminding myself that I'm grateful for it and you can't expect to cycle around the world without having some bad days of weather so I knew it was coming so I just just went with the flow
1: and you had support from other people as well that you met and you've still got lifelong friends that yeah you met. I
0: mean I was on my own in terms of like I carried all my own stuff on the bike and stuff but what blew me away at cycling around the world was how many amazing people I met And it didn't matter what country they came from, didn't matter what language they spoke, didn't matter what skin color they had. I'm telling you, there's so many good people on this planet. And you don't realize it until you get yourself out there yourself and go and really travel and put yourself into some interesting remote places. And when you turn on the news, sometimes it all seems very dark and gloomy and negative. But the, I, I don't, I mean, it's sure bad things happen, but I, I think the world's an incredible place. I think there's so many good people in this world and there's so much amazing opportunity out there. Um, and I, cycling around the world really opened my eyes up to that. These places that I was going that I was a bit nervous about, thought they were going to be terrible, weren't. The people were amazing. It was great.
1: So then when you finished cycling around the world, you'd completed the... Ultimate triathlete. Yeah,
0: I, I feel guilty about it. I'm not a triathlete. I'm a terrible swimmer, actually. But when I got back from, from cycling around the world, I remember crossing the finish line and there was not really much going on in the media, actually. It's a few years ago now. And the media came out and they said, hey, do you know that no one else has like, done this? No one else has climbed Everest, rode an ocean and cycled around the world. And I was like, I, I didn't really know that. And they were like yeah it's like an ultimate triathlon and then that's where this whole concept of the ultimate triathlon was kind of came from and um it kind of took on that narrative and i wanted that the first book that i wrote i actually wanted to call it it's all mental and people said no you cannot say that you can't use the word mental it's it could be misunderstood you can't and i was like okay so i called it the book the ultimate triathlon yeah yeah yeah.
1: how did it feel having all that press attention
0: yeah, it was a bit surreal, really. It was quite good for uh, the charity that I was raising money for. And well, I, I suppose the people that had given me money, they, they were pleased that we did well. I was lucky with the cycle around the world. I never really had any unreasonable sponsors who demanded lots of things that made it difficult. Because sometimes when you take money from sponsors, you can get very easygoing ones and you can get very demanding, very difficult ones, right? Um, so, yeah, finishing was good. Um, and it's all been a little bit of a whirlwind since then, really, I, like you say, I wrote the second book and with that one, I wanted to call it, it's all mental because I believe that everything we do is in the mind. Um, and that's, 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 those are things that I talk about a lot with, with young people. You know? So
1: your book, a lot of it is on resilience. It's a story about mental resilience and determination and perseverance. So what does resilience mean to you and what advice would you give to someone who's trying to Being build Being resilient resilience?
0: is something that you can get better at. Remember, when I was young, I had zero, and I mean zero, resilience. I had no strength of mind. I was quite a weak person. I was always a nice person. But the second things got hard, I would give up. I had no resilience. But that doesn't mean that you can't become resilient. And I would just say, you just have to keep an open mind. You have to accept that you won't always get the things that you, you want. And that actually, if you really, really take ownership of stuff and you're prepared to keep turning up day in, day out and doing the work that you know you need to do, A, it will get easier and B, you, you know, you'll start to, to get used to to being resilient and you'll, over time your ability to become resilient will go up and you won't even realize it and you'll think wow yeah i had that problem but I worse through it. it wasn't a problem for me and actually 10 years ago that would have that would have broken me i would have been finished but now it's not so if you're not particularly resilient don't panic that can be you can work on it and you can always always improve and i guess i mean there's so many things we can talk about but I think if I had to sort of sum up a lot of the stuff I've learned over the last 10 years of traveling around the world and doing various bits, it's all about having the right attitude and having the right mindset. And if you have the right attitude, yeah, so you never blame anyone else for stuff going wrong. You take ownership of stuff. you're prepared to put the work in, you're prepared to go out, you try and find the people to help you you can you can do these things and you can you can make them happen and you can go from someone you can change your life massively in the space of a couple of years and be someone that you never thought you could be it's totally possible it's just whether you it's really whether you want it enough and you have to be honest with yourself and also be able to keep you know go easy on yourself you're not going to go from zero to hero overnight it takes time to develop things okay um and yeah just every time something doesn't work out learn something from it and just move on and just try again and again and again but i i can tell you i've I've had many journeys now and you're you're on a bit of a high when you get back but it only takes a a week or two and you're totally back to normal no one asks you anything about it and it's like oh okay that's done it's finished what's next so you have to uh, what you have to realize is and i've realized this a while ago the real world when you go away on these adventures and things you're not in the real world you're in your own little bubble and you're lucky to be out there doing them the real world is here getting up every day going to work doing the things that perhaps you don't want to do this is the real world and going off on adventures is not you're in a little bubble and you're lucky to be able to do it so i've kind of realized that over time so i'm kind of grateful
1: Thank you for listening. Remember to tune in to the next episode of Inspirability. Subscribe to our channel to find all of our previous episodes and new releases.